Good evening. Our reading this evening is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. That's Luke, chapter 8, and beginning at verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all the town how much Jesus had done for him. Good evening, my name is Stephen Dimitri, I'm the youth minister here at Bishop Hainton Church. Thank you for getting in touch with your trilogies. We've had some absolute classics. The Mighty Ducks, um, How to Train Your Dragon, one, two, three, now that is a good trilogy. Um, Die Hard has made it in there. Someone said, um, if only they made a third Princess Bride film, <laughs> maybe. Um, but, but, great, great text, thank you. Um, Empire Magazine did their top three trilogies of all time. And here's their top three. In third place, Back to the Future. Roads where we're going, we don't need roads. You know, what an epic film, right? But but, but second place, second place, Star Wars. None of this Jar Jar Binks rubbish or or, or the the, the even more modern stuff that's average at best. No, no, we're talking Ewoks and Hoth and like, oh, yes, vintage. But first place, you know, you know what it is. Lord of the Rings. Da, da, 
da, da, da. You know, you know that, that cinematic, just wow. But I've got a theory. I, I reckon that Luke 8, verse 26 through, 30, through 56, this back end of Luke chapter 8, is even better than those trilogies. Because Luke weaves together three stories into this trilogy of incredible miracles that Jesus does. Three people that Jesus meets who are desperate, whom no one else can help, all of whom, Luke says, fall at the feet of Jesus. Three people whose lives are transformed by the power of Jesus. And three miracles that that, that show the lordship of Jesus Christ over demons, disease and death. This is some trilogy. And tonight we're in episode one. Jesus and the legions of hell. Let's get cracking. Now, um, geography is important. It's more than just colouring in. Phil? Uh, And biblical geography is really important. Because Jesus, he spent most of his time... um, I don't think the clicker's working. That's all right. Jesus spent most of his time in Galilee, right? That's in the Jewish side of the region. And now, in Luke chapter 8, for the first time, he goes across the lake and steps into the Gerasenes' Gentile territory. And even the language Luke uses changes. Have a little look um, down with me. In verse 27, he talks about tombs. They're unclean places. Uh, in verse uh, 27 again, there's a, oh sorry, verse 29, the impure spirit. That, that word there is unclean. Unclean tombs, unclean spirits. And then we get down to verse 34 and there's pigs. Unclean animals. Luke's painting a picture of this unclean, hostile land that does not sound like a fun vacay, right? And Jesus, he's only there for 13 verses. Like, that's a really short trip. So we're left asking the question, like, why is Jesus going to this hostile, unclean land for a really short time? Well, verse 27 tells us. Have a little look with me. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Jesus goes into unclean Gentile territory for this man. Just to meet this man he's a guy who has no name whose defining characteristic according to Luke is that he's got demons and Jesus goes across the lake to meet him here's our first thing Jesus he treasures this demoniac he treasures him we need to zoom out a little bit because demons I mean Stephen Stephen Come on. Come on, Stephen. We're 21st century Hovites. Demons? I mean, what? Well, the Bible's really clear. Demons exist, so is the devil. In fact, there's an unseen spiritual realm filled with unseen spiritual beings that is just as real as this physical world we live in. And this unseen spiritual realm impacts and influences us here and now. And if we're struggling to get this, well... um, I think Hollywood, Netflix, Disney, like, like, you know, Stranger Things, have you seen that? The Upside Down, a world that's unseen that affects this world. Or, or Disney fans, um, Soul, that unseen weird place that affects down here. Or older people, Matrix, you know, 
Not, not a good trilogy there. Um, well, average. But, but, but all talking about unseen worlds that affect here and now, all kind of tapping into deep Bible truths, but getting it all so wrong. See, demons are real. They're angels who rebelled against God, kicked out of his presence, who now attack God, his works, and his people. And look what they've done to this poor man. Because his story is heartbreaking. Look at verse 27. This man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Verse 29, we learn more of his story. Verse 29, many times the demon had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. Isn't this this heartbreaking existence? The rest of the Gospels kind of flesh out his life a bit more. In Mark chapter 5, we learn that, that, that he would scream night and day, his cries echoing through the hills. He would cut himself with rocks not in control. The demons kind of... That's so scary. In Matthew's Gospel, he kind of terrorizes the town like blocking roads. That's probably why in Luke 8, they chain him up hand and foot, treating him like a feral animal. And do you notice how powerful these demons are? That They've kind of taken over his life and broken the chains and, and driven him away into, into, into lonely isolation, kicked out of a town. You can kind of imagine the townspeople calling him the freak or naked Nick. Sorry if your name's Nick. Um, but it'd be like, like, like parents telling their kids, uh, avoid the cemetery. That's where naked Nick lives. Don't, don't go there. And he lives in the tombs, the place of the dead. Doesn't that kind of describe his existence? The living dead? Naked and screaming. And he's the first person that Jesus meets off the boat. Man, if I'm seeing that guy, I'm getting on the boat and going the other way. Like, I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, whoa. But, but, but not Jesus. His compassion is incredible. A man everyone else has rejected and avoided. And Jesus goes just for him. Because our Lord Jesus, he treasures this demoniac. Naked, shouting, screaming, terrifying, like a wild, feral animal. And Jesus comes for him. Such is the value of one soul in the sight of our Lord Jesus. Isn't that incredible? How much he loves. He crosses the lake, in some ways, going to calm the storm on the lake, to come and calm the storm in this man's life. He cares for those hopeless cases that everyone else has given up on. And what a challenge to us, right? To love like Jesus loves. To love those that everyone else has given up on. Or to love those that even we might have given up on. Jackie Hill Perry, she said, If I love God, I must love people. I don't have the choice to choose when or where or who. She's right, isn't she? We love God. We love people like he loves them. And so that, that means crossing the lake. So that person we might walk past on the way to work, uh, to work, who looks like they're kind of living out on the streets, well, see past that homeless label, cross the lake, talk to them, get to know them, love them, 
Or, or that person who we used to see at KO or, or, or church who hasn't been for an uncomfortably long time and we've kind of lost communication and it's awkward now. Cross the lake, push past that awkwardness, reach out, invite them again. Love them. Treasure people like the Lord Jesus who, who treasures this demoniac. And then we see the Lord Jesus who triumphs over the demons. Because this naked screaming guy runs up to Jesus, verse 28. Have a little look what happens. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet. Ewan, I'm going to shout now. Shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. That's scary. That's not a friendly welcome party. And what he's doing there, apart from shouting and screaming, well, he's saying Jesus' name. If you remember a few months ago, Ben was talking about Luke chapter 4, and saying how when someone says someone's name back in those days, they're kind of using it as a way to control or try and like prove authority over somebody. So these demons, they're stepping to Jesus. They're like bringing the heat, saying, come on. And Jesus, well, he's got previous with demons. Luke 4, Luke 7, we know he hasn't backed down from a, from a confrontation night. And Luke is kind of building it up to what looks like, on the surface, an epic grudge match. Like good versus evil. Two equally matched titans. A bit like a, a, a kind of lion v. tiger battle. That's what it seems like. Demon versus Jesus. Who's going to win? And then we look at it again, verse 30, and it gets even worse for Jesus. Like, the odds don't look fair. Look at verse 30. Jesus asked him, what's your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. Just a little side note there. Do you notice how these demons have kind of crippled and taken over? They're speaking on behalf of this man. That's scary stuff. And the name they choose for himself is Legion. A Roman military term describing like a battalion of troops between like four and six thousand uh, strong. And that's the name they choose. <laughs> it's like the armies of hell have gathered in one man to face the Lord Jesus. The, 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 these odds don't look fair. This isn't a fair fight. <laughs> and it really isn't a fair fight. I mean, have a little look at verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet. This is falling in submission to a greater power, a greater authority. Forget lion v. tiger. This is like lion versus um, elderly, lame, uh, um, and like, like blind, old sheep. There's only one winner. This is not a fair fight. There's only one winner. The one who commands in verse 29. The the, the one who who orders in verse 30. The one who gives permission in verse 32. There's only one person in control and in charge. The Lord Jesus. And he is unstoppable. And these demons, they know it. They are quaking, trembling in fear before him. Such is his power and might. The Lord who triumphs over demons. And I love it. 
face to face with Jesus, these demons, they get it. They know that defeat is their only prospect. I mean, look at verse 31. They begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. From this, we learn two things about demons. This is why we don't have to fear them. Yes, they're real, but we haven't got to be afraid or scared. Because first off, it's not a fair fight. Jesus always wins. It's not even close. Such is his power and authority that they are trembling and quaking and begging before him. Jesus always wins. And second thing, they talk about the abyss. That's kind of the realm of the dead. Revelation 20, it kind of talks about uh, the end of Satan, his minions, and all evil in the abyss. Evil, demons, the devil has an end point. They will end at the hand of our Lord Jesus. Isn't that so exciting? The Lord who triumphs over demons. They cannot stand near him. Such is his power and authority. And man, what a spectacular triumph this is as well. Oh, have a little look down at verse 32. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. So, so they're, the demons are begging Jesus like, let us live, let us live. Uh, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. First off, you see how primary school this is? It's like a year one classroom, isn't it? Oh, miss, can we go to the toilet, please? <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of power that dynamic here. Like, like he gives permission because he has all power, all authority. And then the demons come out. When they came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Imagine being there on that hillside. Like as one of those like pig herder people things. They see naked Nick screaming, shouting and falling at Jesus' feet and in silence. And suddenly, their pigs, Mark tells us there were 2,000 of them, that's a lot of pork, like 2,000 pigs like, like start going like wild, like oinking, snouting, snort, whatever pigs do, and they start trembling, rumbling down towards the, the lake, and they can't stop them, and they keep going and going and going, and deafening splash, followed by silence, as the Lord Jesus tri- triumphs over demons. Because, like, this is not what the demons had planned. They're hoping by going to their porky bodies that they can kind of live out their demon life, like kind of doing their thing, causing evil and havoc. But Jesus, he's got a different plan. A one-way trip to destruction. Such is his power. The Lord who triumphs over demons. And it's easy to kind of miss in all the piggy mayhem, but think of the demoniac now. For the first time in such a long while, free. For the first time in such a long while, it's him in control. He's there. He's been set free by the awesome Lord Jesus. Because Jesus triumphs over the demons. But I can see some questioning faces. Wait, you're saying. What about those poor pigs? Do we need to call the RSPCA or or, or Peter? We need to kind of not come to these texts with our modern questions, asking things that Luke doesn't kind of answer. But we do know a couple of things. One, 
This is not about the pigs. Our focus should not be on them, but on the Lord Jesus, seeing his awesome might and power and seeing what he can do. So say it with me. It's not about the pigs. Yes, maybe some of you were there. That's okay. But the second thing we do know, to the Lord Jesus, one human life is infinitely more valuable than a dog, than a horse, than a rabbit, than 2,000 pigs. And it's not even close. Do we have that same view of human life? Humans trump animals every time. But I can still see your heart on those pigs. So let me go one more step further. Not about the pigs. But why is Jesus doing this? Why the pigs? And why not just get the demons out a little quick off they go? Well, I think this here is meant to be a massive public sign. A big spectacle for the man and for the people. It's a bit like um, Pulborough. Now, for most of you, Pulborough is a lovely little place in the West Sussex countryside to go for a lovely little walk. Oh, da 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 But for Lizzie and me, this place is really special. Because Pulborough, on a little bridge over a bit of water, we got engaged. Yes, that was your cue. Love it. So every time I see a sign to Pulborough, or we drive past Pulborough, like big smile, like like fluttery, hearty, warm thing. Oh, it's so nice. It's like, that's where it happened. That's when Lizzie became mine. Oh. And like, I'm never going to forget that. Never. That's like etched in my head. Just like, for this man, he would never forget that hill. Never. I mean, 2,000 pigs rushing to their doom. That's not something you you kind of brush over quickly. And he would need to remember. Because have a little look at verse 39. The the man's like, like, Jesus, I want to go with you. You're so amazing. And then Jesus says, verse 39, return home and tell how much the Lord, uh, uh, tell how much God has done for you. Little side note. Jesus there saying saying he's God. Do you notice it? How much God has done for you. But, But the man had to go back. He had to go back home to the town he was kicked out of, back to the people who chained him hand and foot, back past the tombs with the haunting memories of Legion. Going back scary. And, and, and for this man, no doubt that haunting voice would come back of the enemy. Legion. Legion, we're back. But you know what a man could do? He could march up to the hill. He could stand there. He could point the devilish voice to the lake and go, You're gone, son, I'm free. He could point to the sight of Christ's triumph and go, Jesus has triumphed over you. You've got no power here. Every time, he had that beautiful proof that Jesus triumphs over demons. Wow. And as we've been going through his story, we may notice similarities with our story. Because every single human being, like this man, are under the power of darkness and evil. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 kind of calls it, well, with the living dead, dead in our transgressions and our sins. And just like this demoniac, we too are helpless without Jesus. 
And just like him, Jesus steps into the, into the, into, into the, the, the dead, into the tomb, and pulls us out who trust in him. He pulls us out from the dead into life. See, Luke 8 is meant to remind us of Christ's greatest victory over all darkness, devils and evil. Which happened on a different hill. The, the, the hill of Calvary. Where Christ died on a cross. Which looked like his darkest moment, his biggest defeat. Colossians 2 verse 15 tells us the truth. Having disarmed the powers and authorities of the devil and his minions, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. That cross is the sign of Christ's great victory over all darkness, devils and demons. Yes, and the cross acts as our proof. It acts as our proof. When the whispering lies of the enemy come creeping in to tempt us or to accuse us, we can go straight to the cross. And we can say at the cross, we can look at it and say, I am free because of what he's done. We can talk to the enemy and say, you are doomed because of what he has done. Jesus triumphs over all demons, darkness, and, and the devil. Oh, what a Lord. It, in that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, the third verse just says it so beautifully. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim. But we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Jesus. The one who triumphs over demons. Yes. Jesus treasures the demoniac. He triumphs over demons. And lastly, like, like briefly, the Lord Jesus transforms this man. I mean... Did you see how different he is? Have a little look at verse 35. Verse 35. The people went out to see what happened. So there's a big crowd. Come and see what's going on. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out of. Sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. What a contrast from verse 27. Like, have a little look at how different he is. Verse, verse 27, he has demons, he's naked, he's screaming, he's in the tombs. But now, the demons are gone. He's dressed in his right mind. From the tombs to the town, Jesus has totally transformed this man's life. In fact, this is a resurrection, isn't it? He's gone from death to life. Because Jesus, he transforms this demoniac. And that's... Our story too, if we're trusting Jesus. Resurrection, death to life. And actually, it can be your story too. Because maybe you're on the edge of Christian things, like looking inward saying, "Mm, look at the transformation here. This man is set free, given brand new life, resurrected. And you too can know that exact same resurrection life. No one's too far gone for Jesus. No one's too bad, too sinful, too messed up for our Lord Jesus. If 
you want to find out how you too can know that resurrection life or get in contact, I'd love to tell you how. This Lord Jesus transforms a demoniac. He treasures, he triumphs, he transforms. But then how are we supposed to respond? Well, one really simple word. Awe. Awe and amazement is the only response, right? And actually, this is the thing that's missing from the townspeople. Verse 35, they were afraid. Because like, 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 they've seen the kind of the pigs. But, but more shocking than that is the transformation that's happened in this man. Like, and they're scared. Because face to face with real raw power, face to face with God Almighty, that is scary. Like, like last week, remember coming the storm, the disciples, verse 25, they're scared. But verse 25, look back there. In fear and amazement. They've got this awe and amazement that's lacking here in verse 35 and verse 37. And I wonder whether fear and amazement, or sorry, whether awe and amazement has kind of slipped out of our lives too. I mean, when was the last time you were wowed at the Lord Jesus? And it's not on him, by the way. This is on us. Familiarity with the gospel kind of undermines our awe, doesn't it? Our lives are so busy and so hectic. We work so late. Netflix, news cycles, notifications, blaring noise all the time. No space for awe. Or or, or with with church on YouTube and small group on Zoom, maybe Jesus has become two-dimensional, boring to us. Has awe kind of slipped out of our lives? BH, I'm going to say something with, something with love. You're in, it's going to go loud again. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up. This is the Lord Jesus. We can't just sit there, shrug our shoulders, and change to the next channel. This is the Lord Jesus who stops the storms, defeats demons, destroys disease, and destroys death. We can't just sit there and do nothing. He's given us resurrection, death to life. Like, awe is the only response, right? So how do we rekindle this awe? Well, two things. We slow down and we pray up. So slow down. We need to learn to savor Jesus like I savor the last bite of a goo pudding. When it gets to the last bite, oh, I slow down. Oh, I take my time. This one's been going for six hours. And we go, I I won't eat it now. It will tempt you too much. We slow down. Savor. Let let the taste just sit on your mouth and, oh, it's the best. That's what we need to do with Jesus. We rush him far too much. Slow down. That might mean that we kind of change our Bible reading so we read slower. To read um, less but deeper. Like reading the same bit two, three, four times over. Maybe taking notes and sermons to slow ourselves down so we can kind of concentrate and not get phone distracted. Slowing down. It might be making space in our busy, hectic lives to have that awe and amazement. I mean, when was the last time that you went unplugged? No phone, no tablet, no TV. Why not try like a switch off Saturday to spend time with him? Or, or, or go for walks with no headphones in to think on the Lord Jesus, slow down. And secondly, pray up. Pray till you're hot. 
Pray till your soul is set alight and captivated by this awesome Lord Jesus Christ. The one who, who stops storms and defeats demons. Pray for that all. Because BH Church family, I think awe and amazement is one of the biggest things that we are lacking and that we need. It's the antidote to apathy, the antidote to a half-baked Christian faith. Awe at him. The one who treasures, the one who triumphs, the one who transforms. He is amazing. And this is only episode one. Oh, two and three coming next week. Cannot wait. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that, that, that he has defeated darkness, devils and demons. Thank you so much for his great triumph. Lord, thank you for transforming our lives who trust in you. We pray that you would give us a burning, hot passion and zeal for this Lord Jesus. That you would fill us with awe afresh at how brilliant and beautiful he is. In Jesus' name. Amen.